Let's have a moment of prayer. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth. I pray this morning that we are renewed, transformed, strengthened, and encouraged by your word, giving us ever greater faith in the hope of Christ Jesus. Amen. There is a lot of doubt and fear in this world right now, isn't there? There's a lot of doubt and fear about this virus that's going around. There's a lot of doubt and fear about death. About death, it, and it seems to overshadow everything. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at the picture of the tomb, even with all the doubt and fear, it seems to put a shadow, cast a blanket over the fullness, the light that would come from the empty tomb. And there's even doubt and fear about our medical experts. There's doubt and fear regarding our leaders. There's doubt and fear that seems to overcome people. And even Christians seem now to be overcome by doubt and fear. It casts a shadow on everything. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to live in that doubt and fear. You see, the only thing that can truly move you from fear to joy, is a reality that is so steadfast, so true, so enduring, that you are given a new life. So today, this Easter morning, we're going to take a journey. We're going to take a journey that is from doubt and fear to faith and joy. And this journey from doubt and fear to faith and joy should so fill you, should so enliven you, that you with all of the saints around the world can loudly, confidently proclaim he is risen, he is risen indeed. So let's take that journey this morning from doubt and fear to faith and joy. We are going to begin with doubt and death, though. So our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 28, starting verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So put yourself in the frame of mind of the women who had gone to the tomb. It was dark. They certainly had a lot of doubt, and they certainly had to deal with death. You see, Christ had died, and because it was a Sabbath, they couldn't do the work of the body preparation, so he was put in the tomb, but he would have been decaying in the tomb. So they came to wrap him, to put on myrrh and other uh, perfume-like essences to at least mask the smell of a decaying body because they didn't embalm bodies. So they came there to wrap his body. Now imagine what's going through their mind at a time like this. I mean, hadn't Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life? And yet here he was in the tomb. I mean, was it, was it all a lie? I mean, they, they had seen him perform miracles. They had seen him raise Lazarus from the grave. They, they saw Lazarus alive. This was the same Messiah 
that had fed the 5,000, that had walked on water, that had healed the sick, given sight to the blind. This was the same Messiah that said these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for, those is the, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I mean, there's no way a person could ever have the wisdom to be able to say those words and do those things unless he was from God. But here he was in the tomb. They saw him die. Was it all a lie? Was there any hope that they had in their lives? Put yourself in the frame of the women. You know, maybe they thought, well, if he's dead, I might as well just give up as well. So I wonder, are you like the women this morning? Are you just going through the motions, living in the shadow of doubt and death? You see, there's a lot of Christians right now around the world who are living as if there is no hope. They are overcome by doubt and fear. And if you ask them, has Christ been raised from the dead? They would say, I hope so. I, I certainly hope so, because I look around this life, doesn't seem so great right now, but you know, I'm not sure. So I wonder this morning, are you living that way without any hope, just in a, the shadow of doubt and death? And if you are, maybe you need an earthquake to shake you. Maybe you need an earthquake to awaken you up. So let's talk about earthquakes, going to our reading. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of the guards, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, I've read this passage a number of times. And you know what? Once you read the Bible a number of times, you start to skim over some things. And sometimes you just don't notice certain details. One of the things that I had skimmed over that caught my attention here, it says, and there was a great earthquake. Now, have you ever been in an earthquake? I, I haven't myself. But have you ever been in an earthquake? I mean, I, I've seen earthquakes on TV. I've seen films. I have heard people talk about earthquakes. And all of a sudden, what you think is solid, what you think is unmovable, shakes. And a violent earthquake shakes everything, and it frightens you to your core. And you want to go and run out somewhere where there is solid ground, where there is safety. Earthquakes shake everything. Now, interestingly enough, in the Bible, it does mention earthquakes. Not a lot, but there are 16 references to earthquakes in the Bible. And every time, this is important, every time there's an earthquake, it's about the presence of God 
and his judgment or grace. Every time in the Bible it mentions the earthquake, it's about the presence of God and his judgment or his grace. So let's take a look. Just uh, two references in the Old Testament about earthquakes. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 6. You will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with great earthquake and great noise and whirlwind and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. There's an earthquake from Isaiah. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 12 says, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the glory of the Lord from this place. Now here's a question for you. Do you recall what the first earthquake was recorded in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, it's actually just as Jesus died from Matthew chapter 27. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Look, this was no ordinary earthquake. It talks about the curtain in the temple being torn in two from top to bottom, not bottom to top, from top to bottom. What you might not know is the temple in the curtain was about four inches thick. That's just a little bit wider than the width of my hand. Four inches thick was that curtain. And so for that curtain to be torn in two was of great, great force. But what's the importance of that that curtain being torn in two? The importance of that is because the curtain kept people from going into the Holy of Holies. It was in the holy of holy place that God said his presence would be there. And it was only the high priest who go into the holy of holies once a year. But now what Christ had done on the cross, he had paid the full price for all of our sins. He had paid that price. The wrath of God was satisfied. And grace was opened up. Jesus, who is our high priest, has opened up that veil for us. And we, through Christ Jesus, come come into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God himself. That's the significance of that earthquake and the curtain tearing in two. And that centurion who is at the cross. I mean, centurions, they were in the Roman army. They were probably very hardened and calloused regarding many things. They had seen many deaths. They had overseen many crucifixions. They had probably seen towns wiped out, burned to the ground, to rubble. They were hardened and calloused. Yet the centurion at the cross was filled with awe. He was brought to his knees 
And his confession was this, truly, this was the Son of God. He recognized that earthquake shook him so much, he recognized who Christ is. That's the first earthquake in the New Testament. Now, the second earthquake in the New Testament is from our reading today. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Just as the curtain temple tearing revealed the glory of God, so now with the angel and the earthquake, the glory of God was revealed. And you know what? It shook those guards at the tomb to the very core. It says this, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. This was an earthquake in their lives. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever experienced a personal earthquake? Not the physical earthquake, but a personal one. When has God sent an earthquake in your life to shake you? To get your attention? You see, a lot of people nowadays have been going about their lives in just this normal manner not even really thinking about God a whole lot, not even thinking about faith a whole lot. But now this coronavirus has been a bit of an earthquake, right? Everything that we think that has been stable seems upended. And people are looking for solid ground. Now, there might be other times in your life where you've had an earthquake as well. It could be the devastation financially, It could be a relationship. It could be a death. There's a lot of earthquakes that sometimes God will bring into our lives to get your attention. He says, look, listen, I have moved heaven and earth to bring you and to give you my son. Listen to him. Know him as Lord and Savior. This is a time of earthquake in our lives. Maybe God's trying to get your attention right now today to say, look, listen, have you received my son? Now, when there are earthquakes in our lives, there are two primary reactions. The first one's fear, but there can also be joy. So let's just talk about fear for a moment. And it says, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You know, just like the centurion, they would have been very hardened. They might have heard all the rumors about Jesus being Messiah, being the Christ, that he might have done miracles, things like that. But they were probably just shoving those off. But now, in this earthquake, with the messenger, they came face to face with a different reality. Because in that moment, in that moment, just like the centurion at the cross, they knew that everything about Christ was true. 
if Jesus really is the Son of God, then they knew that it was all true. And that would also bring people fear. Because in the presence of a holy God, of a righteous God, a God of pure love and light, but also pure holiness and righteousness, they would tremble before him, knowing that they were not righteous, that they were not holy, that they were sinners, and they would have felt the depth and weight of the conviction of their sin against them. Look, just like the garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, when the guards came, it records this in Gospel of John, chapter 18. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, in the original language, it just says, Jesus said, I am. That's the language that God used with Moses. I am. The eternal God, the holy God, the righteous God. And all Jesus said was, I am. And they fell back in fear. Look, they did not fall back because they had a certain opinion about Jesus. They didn't fall back because they had a certain preference about Jesus. They just didn't think that he was one of many saviors, one of many lords. They recognized him as king of kings, as lord of lords, as the son of God, as Yahweh, as I am. Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. You see, when you first come into the presence of God, it is one of fear. Now look, if you don't think the resurrection actually happened, that it's, it's not really true, then you might just say, whatever. It's not a big deal. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You would be, as Paul was writing in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, from our reading, starting in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So a lot of people, like the guards, would say, nah, forget it, big deal. I don't really believe all that stuff. But the guards came face to face with the reality of who Christ Jesus, and that it is true. For what does Paul then also write? He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Now look, there's a dividing line, right? On one side, it's just fear and doubt and death. But the reality of who Christ Jesus is and that he really did rise from the dead, that gives you a whole new life. It is a life not filled with doubt and fear and death, but it is filled with faith and joy. And that's the journey we are taking this morning, to faith and joy. From our reading, starting with verse 5, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. So the angel, the messenger, the angel of God has been telling them that what you have is what God has been telling you from the beginning. And he is saying to you that you do not need to fear. Look, you and I have that message throughout Scripture again and again and again. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Look, every time we look inwards, the only thing we have really is our doubt and fear. But when we hear and know the presence of God and his word, which is unchanging, which says, fear not, I am with you. Then we can be filled with joy. And the other thing is the angel said, as he has said, as Jesus had already said. So what has Jesus been saying all along? Well, there's just a couple from, our, uh, from Scripture that I just want to point out. Jesus has been telling them that all of this was to happen. All of this was to take place. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So he has been preparing them ahead of time. He's already said that he's going to be raised. Matthew chapter 17. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. They still didn't understand it, but Jesus had already said, I'm going to be raised. I will be raised from the dead. And he has said at the tomb of Lazarus, some of the most comforting words that we have, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this penetrating question, do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? Have you put your hope and faith in the promise of Christ Jesus in his words, what he has already said? Now, most of us, I got to tell you, most of us are doubting Thomases to one degree or another. You know, Thomas, who said he wouldn't believe unless he put his finger into the wound, unless he touched him. So what did the women do? Well, they, they went in the tomb. They looked. They had the evidence right before them. You see, our faith is not just based on preference. It is not just based on opinion. It is based on the reality of things that actually happened. We have eyewitness accounts of what has happened. We have prophecy that has been fulfilled that is, could not be fulfilled any other way except through Christ Jesus. If you want assurance of your faith, read Scripture, study it, look at the evidence, and then be assured that the tomb is empty, that he has risen, he is risen indeed. You see, what does the resurrection actually prove here? The resurrection proves that everything happened on the cross is true. Everything that happened on the cross, everything that God has said has come to fruition, and it's true. So what does the resurrection prove? It proves that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, he is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, who on, his, on the cross, through his death and resurrection, paid the full price for our sins. It proves that in him, faith in Christ Jesus, you and I are forgiven. We are redeemed. We're set free. It shows that death is not the final answer. That you and I need never fear death. Ever. It means that we can say with assurance, I know my Redeemer lives. Not just a hope, not just I think so, not just maybe. You can say with assurance, my Redeemer lives. And with that assurance, we have the assurance of life eternal with Christ Jesus. We have a hope that is eternal and unchanging. That's what the resurrection proves. Again, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked that question, do you believe this? Can you come to the point with the assurance where you say, I know my, I know my Redeemer lives. He is risen. He is risen indeed. See, when you stand firm on that, when 
There are earthquakes and everything else happening in life. And all of the ground in your life seems to be shaken to the core. We stand on Christ Jesus. He is our solid rock, unmovable. He is the assurance of our faith. And the resurrection shows that. So this morning... You have but one of two choices before you. Are you living in the shadow of doubt and fear? And you may well be. And there might be good reasons that you have for that. I would encourage you. I would ask you to look to Christ Jesus. Because in him, you can live by faith and enjoy no matter the circumstance, no matter what happens. See, you, you, with all the saints around the world, can say he is risen. He has risen indeed. And to all, all of that, we say amen and hallelujah. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.